What's up? What's up? What's up, everybody? 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 You are listening to The Bounce, as always, folks. This is episode 36. My name is Jabari Anderson with my co-host, L'Oreal. How you doing, L'Oreal? Doing fantastic, man. Fantastic. Yes. We're going to be talking about Miguel. Yes. 500. Yeah, we're gonna be talking about Draymond and KD. Mm-hmm. Of course, a lot of NFL stuff. As NFL season about to start very shortly. Yes, it's uh, it's it's coming in two weeks, I believe. Yeah, it's gonna yes. come in two weeks. There's a lot of a lot of stuff going on. You got high school football coming up, college football coming up, and now the NFL is coming pretty soon. And unfortunately, the summer is gonna end pretty soon as well. Unfortunately, but we're not gonna talk about that. Let's talk about this. <laughs> All right, so let's get started right here. Let's go ahead and talk about someone from Detroit, Miguel Cabrera. You know, I thought I was right since, you know, I got the Detroit versus everybody shirt on. And Miguel Cabrera, Miggy, a fan favorite from your own Detroit Tigers, all right? This man right here on Sunday made history to hit his 500th home run, all right, for his career, that he is the 28th player to do so in Major League Baseball history. He did it against the Toronto Blue Jays. Unfortunately, it didn't happen in Detroit. You know, it didn't happen in Detroit, but it happened on the road in Toronto in the sixth. So, and they won that game, by the way. It was, it, they won that game five to three in extra innings. But, you know, like I said, a win is a win, and he made history. Miguel Cabrera, I mean, I could go down a list about what he has done in his career. Not only is he the 28th player to hit at least 500 home runs in his career, this man right here, let me let me go down a list about what this man has done. This man is, the, is one of the nine players to have at least 500 home runs and have a batting average of career 300 batting average. I just just say 300 batting average, but you know what I mean. This man right here is a two-time MVP. This man right here is a triple crown winner in the American League. That's the first time that's ever happened. You know, of course it happened in 2012, but that was the first time that happened since 1967 so that was so that was a 45 year stretch that hasn't happened and no other no other uh you know baseball player well, I, should, I should say baseball player but no other hitter has done that since Miguel Cabrera I mean there's a lot of things I could tell you about Miguel Cabrera one of the greatest players ever you know for the city of Detroit L'Oreal I'm gonna go ahead go ahead and ask you this question what do you appreciate most about Miguel Cabrera as a Tiger for me, when it comes to baseball, and I love my Tigers, I love them. I love going to Comerica Park. I love eating the Cracker Jacks and just enjoying, you know, the gist of the game from the game itself to interacting with the people and all. But when it comes to Miguel Cabrera, I really appreciate him as being that guy. And for me, what I love the most about baseball is a guy who can hit, hit it out the park. And, you know, we had our fair share of those guys, you know, besides Cabrera, like Curtis Granderson, Prince Fielder, and a lot of others. And when it comes to Miguel Cabrera, he just really tops it off for me. He is just the most, you know, electrifying guy that I've seen when it comes to hitting that baseball. And for Detroit, I mean, he's been a part of Detroit since 2008. So for over 13 years and counting, he has done that. He has just been exciting to watch. And also, he's a really pleasant guy to actually, you know, really interact with. I remember when I was in high school, I took a business management class and we had a field trip and we went to the Detroit Tigers game, We went to the Tigers game for the day. And we was literally so close where we could see Miguel 
you know, practicing. And, you know, we was all getting inside. We was like, hey, Mickey. And, you know, he said, hey, he said, what's up? And, you know, it's just really nice to see a guy who loves the game of baseball and who really embraced Detroit. Because Detroit is one of those cities, especially when we talk about sports, where if you like us, if you like our blue-collar swag, our blue-collar mentality within that city, and you do that respectfully within your career, playing, you know, whether it be the Tigers, the Red Wings, the Lions, the Pistons, we will love you and we will cherish you. And I know that every single person in the city of Detroit that regularly go to Tiger games, they can say that with confidence when it comes to Miguel. Miguel, I mean, he has helped us a lot. You know, from 2011 to 2014, we won the AL Central. We was that team. And even though we're starting to, you know, build because, of course, Mickey's getting older. And, you know, when baseball teams get older, you have to have some fresh meat in because, you know, like the Otani's in the world and things like that. These new guys are going to be the face soon. Yeah, but having a guy like Mickey story. still do what he does and to make this milestone and for, like, me and you, Jabari, to be able to witness it, I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. And, you know, I'm rooting for him to make it to 600, 700, 800, okay, whatever right. he can do. Okay, that, that, that's not like you, you go, you go way too far. Once you start saying 700, 800, okay, that's, that's, that's a bit of a stress. Maybe that's too much. I, I, don't, I, I don't know if he get to 600. It's possible, but I don't know if he's going to get to 600, all right? So... I mean, I'm very intrigued to see if he can do it. I know that, you know, he's still got a limited amount of time, but whatever time he has, I'm going to appreciate regardless because Miguel means a lot to the city. He means a lot to the Tigers team. And it's just amazing to just see him still make these accolades, man. I'm just, I'm just happy to be a Tigers fan. I am. When I said that Miguel Cabrera was one of the nine players to have, to have a career in, in 500 home runs, and a career of of a batting average of 300 that's amazing to me like only nine players have done that and for you to be one of the nine players that is special he's in the same conversation the same uh same list with willie mays and hank aaron that is amazing right there okay he is one of the six foreign players six foreign born players to have at least 500 home runs in his career that is and he special. actually is the first he is the first venezuelan player Right. To reach that milestone. You know what I'm saying? You know, we we love you. We definitely love you. Venezuela. You know, Venezuela. Anyway, anyway, let me, let me go back right there. Let me go. Let me go back. right. Let me go back here. This guy right here has led the lead, led American League in batting average four times. All right. This man is 45 hits away from getting to the 3,000 3, hit club. 40, 45, 45. And when that happens, he will be one of the seven players to have at least... 500 home runs and 3,000 hits, okay? He could be in the same conversation with, once again, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, Albert Pujols, and many more. What The reason why I bring this these uh, accomplishments up, I said is because what this man has done since 2008 is just phenomenal. I mean, yes. he is a legend. This, yes. Okay, I'm just going to say this right now. He is, he is going to be a Detroit icon, okay? And, he, and also he's a champion too. Now he didn't do it in Detroit, but he did it in, you know, in Florida with, you know, when the Marlins, when he was a rookie, when I first heard that Miguel Cabrera was coming to Detroit and, you know, when he got, he got traded in December, 2007, my first reaction was like, oh, okay. Okay, cool. Like I, I, I didn't really have a reaction when I first found out that he was coming. 
I was a teenager at that time. I, I It didn't really move me when I found out that he was coming. I know that people was all saying, oh, my God, you know, the Tigers. We, we going, you know, we, we, we going to the chip. We're going to the World Series, you know what I'm saying? We, we going to be amazing. We got, we got Miguel Cabrera. Oh, my gosh. I mean, this is one of the best, best hitters in the game. I didn't know how grave a player he was until I saw him play as a Tiger. And when I saw what this dude was made of, I said, oh, now I know how great he is. And, I, and just seeing this man in, in, his, in his peak, when he was at his best, I, I'm, I'm, I'm being dead honest about this. I, I don't see anyone in the modern era that was a better hitter than him. He is no. the greatest. He is the greatest hitter in the modern era ever. And I challenge, and that goes with Albert Pujols. That goes for Alex Rodriguez, Manny Ramirez. I'm talking about anyone. The modern era, I'm going with Miguel Cabrera for sure. Absolutely. Miguel Cabrera, a two-time MVP. I mean, the man was dangerous. I mean, he was a dangerous hitter. He was a power hitter. I, I remember one time I told my mom this. I told my mom this. And I said, when I, when I see Prince Felder, I think that he wants to hit a home run. But when I see Miguel Cabrera at the plate, I say, he's going to hit a home run. Yes, you know he's going to hit a home run. Yes, because Without that man no was a bad man. He was yes. a bad man. He was, he was at his best in his prime, arguably the best player in the game. And there was no way you could stop him. The only, the only way how you could stop him was you had to walk him. At best, you and <laughs> even 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 when even when you try to to find ways how to make it difficult for him, he still found a way. That's how grave a player he was. Whether it was in blowouts or in crunch time, Miguel Cabrera was that guy. My only regret as a Tigers fan, because we're going to appreciate him and we're going to see him next season. He's listen. He's going to he's going to get his three thousand. He's, he's going to get 3,000 hits, all right? His Mr. 3,000 will occur next season. Unfortunately, it's not going to happen this season, but next, but it will happen next season. Hopefully, it will be in Detroit. But when that happens, we're going to appreciate him, as always. And he will have a statue. He is a legend. He is an icon in the city of Detroit. Yes. But like I said before, my only my only regret as a Tigers fan, and that, and this is just me just personally, my only regret is that we never got the chance to see Miguel Cabrera do all this and win a championship in Detroit. Man, and I feel you, Jabari. I do, because guys like him, you know, he is the key to a championship. He is the guy that can, you know, glue everything, put all the puzzle pieces together. And even though, unfortunately, that never happened, at least me and you and all the other Detroit Tigers fans, at least we know we had a guy in this city that gave it his all. And being from Detroit, that's all we really asked for, for real. Just give it your all. You know, play, you know, playing in Detroit, you have to play gritty. You have to play hard. You have to give it all you got. My thing is also, this is something that bothered me. I told my parents this too. When, when he hit his 500th home run, I said, man, I never forgot from 2011 to 2014, the Tigers had arguably the best starting pitcher rotation in the game. 
yes. in the game with Verlander, yes. Serger, yes. Porcello, Doug Fister, uh, Annabelle Sanchez. Like they arguably had the best starting pitcher rotation in the game. They arguably had the best offense in the game. And they arguably had the best player in the game in Miguel Cabrera and the best pitcher in the game in Justin Verlander. They had two MVPs, two players who were in their peak, and it still wasn't enough for them to win a title. Ugh, that, that really hurts me. And even though they were able to get, get to the 2012 World Series, and we, we're not going to talk about what happened at the end. They, they, we, all we know is that they lost. That's how, I'm not going to talk. I'm not, I'm not, I refuse to talk about what happened, all right? They lost. Speaking of Miguel Cabrera, I will always love what he gave to us for, the, for us as Tigers fans. For him to be one of the greatest players ever. To me, I, I believe that he is one of the 50 greatest players of all time. And I believe saying, a question. And I believe saying he's top 50 is an understatement. I believe exactly. that I believe that he is the, that outside of the US, he's the greatest player ever, greatest baseball player ever. And look, he's going to be a free agent in two in in two years. I mean, obviously, it's not going to be be in 2023 or 2024. But but in the 2024 offseason, he will be. Wait, hold on, take that back. Yeah, no, I see. I think no, 2023 offseason. I say he's going to be a free agent, and he has a choice on what he's going to do. He can retire or he can go to a contending team. And I would definitely love to see him win a championship, another championship. But it, I would say, it was great to see. Miguel Cabrera as a Tiger, outside of not winning a championship, it's been an r- amazing story. Definitely. And I have no problem with him retiring Detroit. Not yeah. at all. I would love to see that. Because he's yes. going he to get his jersey. definitely going to get his jersey retired. Yes, right? he is. But yeah, I, yeah and he's going to, like I said, we gonna, that statue will come. But, um, but I wouldn't have a problem if he does retire as a Tiger. So moving on, moving on, because I don't want to cry right now. <laughs> Let's talk <laughs> about basketball. All right. Let's talk about basketball real quick. NBA. So last week, Draymond Green and Kevin Durant had an interview. It was called The Chips, by the way, you know, like a player to player interview. And they had a lot of things to say, you know, you know, basically Draymond Green was asking, you know, what was Katie's reason to go and go to state? You know, you play with a lot of great players. He even brought up one time about do you want any kids? Which I thought that was kind of weird. I was like, this man said, talk about you. Well, you want kids? What the heck? But, uh, but that's here. I did say anyway, Draymond Green and Tevin Durant talked about the incident. Well, I guess kind of talked about the incident. So basically this one went down. Draymond Green and Kevin Durant discussed the 2018 incident that led to a split. And eventually that's incident. That argument led to them at, Besides talking about that incident, it, it, it led them to talk about blaming Steve Kerr, who is the head coach of the Golden State Warriors, and the general manager, Bob Myers. Now, obviously, there's been a lot of people that has been bringing up, oh, my God, Steve Kerr and Bob Myers, what, what is going on? Those two mishandled the situation that happened between Kevin Durant and Draymond Green you know, with that incident happened, you know, obviously when they were going against the Clippers around that time. Yeah, 2018 against the Clippers. Is it fair to blame Steve Kerr and Bob Myers? I believe it is. And what made me really believe that it is fair was Katie's premise on how he felt about what happened. And Katie basically was just saying, you know, 
when, and of course, you know, I believe he was answering Draymond's question about why he came to Golden State, this idea of a brotherhood. And we know that Kevin Durant's played with a lot of great players like Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Sergi Baca. You know, he went against other great players, you name it. But when really thinking about why he went to Golden State, of course he went there because it was his best chance to win. But look at the company that they had. Steph Curry, family man, stand-up guy, explosive on the court. Clay Thompson, you know, family man, stand-up guy, explosive on the court. Draymond Green, we know Draymond Green had his perks here and there. But overall, Draymond Green is a fairly modest guy. A family man, plays it hard on the court. So when Kevin Durant was explaining about how he disliked what, what was being handled, his whole premise was that, you know, this team, you know, what I thought to believe was a brotherhood. And when he came to this team, he expected to be the same way. So when this situation happened with Draymond and KD, he pretty much was saying, you know, hey, you know, if we're supposed to be a brotherhood and stuff, there's supposed to be a lot to be done where he said, they kind of felt like they just swept it under the rug. And I think it's fair to blame Steve Kerr and by Myers is because, you know, knowing the situation, knowing Kevin Durant being there, knowing the context of that year, because I believe that was the year that they was trying to three-peat and all, you, you need to have that brotherhood. And to not handle it the best way that could have happened, you know, which I felt like the best thing that could have happened was probably having KD stay. Because I'm sure Golden State would definitely benefit if KD would have stayed after that season, even though he had that Achilles injury and all. I feel like they still would have benefited having him stay. Because as much as a lot of people don't really want to talk about it, yes, K, yes, KD going to Golden State was a bad look, and we already know why. We're not going to get on to that. But when it comes to him leaving, in a sense, Golden State didn't need Kevin Durant. Because when having Kevin Durant, you catapult completely to where you're completely unstoppable. There's no way that people can really figure out how to stop you. And essentially, even though I did feel like Toronto Raptors did deserve that championship, if it wasn't for Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson, but, but, but specifically Kevin Durant going down, I believe Golden State with a 3 P without a doubt. They were a 3 P without a doubt. So when you see this fallout happen, you do have to put the blame on Steve Kerr and Bob Myers because, you know, if there had been some kind of different way of handling that situation, I felt like Draymond KD would have been more cool. I think, you know, the team overall, there wouldn't be so much, you know, weird stuff going on with the team because when you see how Steve Kerr reacted or, you know, that situation where they asked Steve Kerr, I believe, a question about, Kevin Durant and you know he pretty much was saying that they didn't really need Kevin Durant I feel like it's kind of a slap in the face because at some point you did you did I mean you know you could feel however you want to feel but well, Draymond, well, kind of- well Steve Kerr never said that he never said that they didn't need Draymond I mean it was, right. it is, he didn't say that they didn't need Ke- you know Kevin Durant I do I to be very clear now he may have said said you know I, I know that we went went to talk about this last season where he spoke about about what, what was it? that last, you know, the, the season, you know, the first season without KD, 
and he, when he went to Brooklyn and whatnot, he said that season, that losing season was better than the last year of last year that KD was there. And I, I understand his premise of what he said, but no, I, I don't think Steve Kerr has ever said that. But let's let's get down the line about this whole thing about Draymond Green and Kevin Durant. First of all, I want to say this. Good interview. Good interview, by the way. 24 minutes, you know, very worth it. I thought it was going to be an hour at first, but I was like, oh, it's 24 minutes? Sure. Okay. Yeah, I was surprised. Yeah. Like 30 minutes? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but let's get down the line right real quick. Is it fair? No, it's not fair because what you're doing is being a scapegoat for your own actions. Okay. What they're not talking about, and this is what I don't get. They're not talking about the incident that happened when they were playing against the Clippers back in 2018. They're not speaking about what happened. Oh, in the game, Kevin Durant was clapping for the ball, like, give me the ball, give me the ball. You could, you could clearly see it. And Draymond Green, yes. obviously, Draymond Green lost the ball. And, you know, at the end, you know, at the end of the game, you know, final seconds of the game, they're going to overtime. Obviously, they lost that game. You know, obviously didn't matter because they went to the finals in anyway. But still, in that in that huddle, when they got back to, to the you know to the bench, obviously Draymond Green said a bunch of things to Kevin Durant. And this is crazy. And the reason why I don't believe that it's fair to blame Steve Kerr and Bob Myers, because one, first of all, they were on KD's side. They were trying to make sure they was helping Kevin Durant out. That's number one. But let's go back about what Draymond Green said because because they went out and talked about everything else except for that particular incident let's go it back seemed what, like they was talking about like the aftermath of what happened after. right right so let's go back what he just said so according to the reports based you know based on what chris haynes said you know who used to work at yeah i think he still i don't think he's working at yahoo anymore but but that doesn't matter when he was working at yahoo this is what he said draymond green called durant the b-word multiple times basically saying out loud to Kevin Durant, you a B and you know you a B. And then went on later and said, we don't need you. We won without you. Leave. Oh, wow. That's true. That sounded like that. I mean, you know, not to joke around, but that's like that one song when uh, one of those girls said, get that bread, get that, then leave. leave. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, that's what it yeah. sounded like. That's what it sounds like. Now, let me say this. When Draymond Green said that, Draymond Green was saying that a lot of people wanted to say to Kevin Durant, they won without you. They won before you even got there. You see, here's the thing. When CJ McCullough was talking about what Kevin Durant did, everyone else said that he was softy. When a bunch of other players got mad about what Kevin Durant did for him to go from OKC to go to state, blowing that 3-1 lead, people said those people were salty. But when Draymond Green said it, they was quiet. It'd be your own people who got dirt on you that you'd be like, dang, Draymond Green said that? Yeah. Because that's what Draymond Green believed. And they didn't want to talk about that. And everybody wants to bring about, oh, well, Kevin Durant. Well, that's the reason why he, well, that, well Steve Kerr and Bob Myers were the reason why. No, they weren't the reason. No. And first of all, and on first take a couple of years ago when KD was on, he even said, Stephen A. Smith said, how much was the Draymond Green, you two arguing together, how much was that argument a factor you leaving Golden State? And he said, a little. He said, a little. Mm-hmm. Draymond Green in, in a podcast once said, I did not know how much I hurt 
Kevin Durant. I did not know how much I hurt Kevin Durant. I didn't know at that time, but now he does. So what you talking about? But either way, either way, whether it, it whether that was a factor or not, I do not believe that Kevin Durant left due to that. Kevin Durant left Golden State in 2019 because he wanted a different challenge. He wanted to prove to people that he could win a championship without Golden State. Because what did people keep on saying back in, back in 2017 and 18? They said, you won those titles because you hop on the bandwagon. You won those titles because you was with Golden State. You can't win a championship. Those titles don't count. Right. They said it doesn't count. They said you can't win those championships without Steph Curry. You can't win those championships without, without the Bay, without Golden State. And so because of that, yeah, you left because you want to show, show that you can win without those guys. You want to showcase that. It had nothing to do with that argument with Draymond Green. Now, and it, it might help. It might help the fact you all, I wanted to leave, and I'm going to leave now. But no, Steve Kerr, Bob Myers, no. And the fact, and the fact that, yes, you torn your Achilles in the, in the 2019 NBA Finals, but also you chose to play. You didn't have to play. You, you didn't have to play. Because, because if, because let's be real, if he didn't tear, tear, tear his Achilles, if he didn't, if he didn't play in the NBA Finals, he more than likely would have went to, uh, went to Brooklyn and played the 2019-20 season. Plain simple. So that, that's what would have happened. But my thing about, about, about Draymond Green and Kevin Durant, it's interesting to me that Steve Kerr and Bob Myers were to blame. And it's interesting that that was said by Draymond Kevin Durant. It's one thing for Kevin Durant to, to agree with Draymond Green because Kevin Durant is with Brooklyn. He's not with Golden State anymore. Draymond Green is still with the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. And last time I checked, Draymond Green, think about this. There was a report that said There's that been talks for a while. Right, about that. There was talks that that the Warriors front office are split between Ben Simmons and Draymond Green. And, and I'm gonna be real, I'm gonna be real with you right now. As much as we crack jokes on Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons is better than Draymond Green. Exactly. And I'm gonna be real with you. If I'm the go to say Warriors after what I saw last week, I'm trading Draymond Green. You're not going to sit here and blame and blame us for why Kevin Rand leave. Like you weren't part, like, like, like Kevin was going to do that regardless. You're not going to sit there and blame us. And you won't expect to be staying here for a couple more years. Let me just say one thing too. Well, I noticed from that interview and I believe both of them was acting, but Draymond Green was acting pretty passive aggressive. Like he, like, like, like he, like he really wasn't the one who started it? Because mm. to be real, he was the one I feel like who started it, or for the most part, made it a bigger deal than what it is. And then you're gonna sit up, and then you're gonna sit up there because when he was talking to KD about you know them calling them saying you ready to apologize, and he likes some nah man, they they about to make this worse. I'm like nah, bro, you the fuck who did? Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like it, like it's like here's here's my It's one thing to say that K, KD should not have come and clapped. And tried to say, "Yo, give me the ball," and act like, 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 like this. Draymond Green can facilitate. I, I get the fact that Kevin Durant should have been in a situation where he should have, should have 
trust Draymond in those situations. We get that. Okay, I understand that. What Draymond Green said at, at, in the huddle that it took so much that Demarcus Cousins had to get through and try to help, try to separate Draymond and KD. I mean, that's that's all you need to know. Demarcus Cousins. Had Let's to come be and help clear. Out. This is Kevin Durant we're talking about. We're not talking about no other scrub. We're not talking about just a random player. This is Kevin Durant, one of the best shooters in the entire league. What do you expect? And yeah. obviously, we don't really know the true context of what happened based on what we saw. But we know some. Come on, man. Come on. It's Kevin Durant. Right. If you were complaining about trying to shoot the ball, just sit down, Draymond Green, please. Right. And and here's my thing. And here's my thing, too. And I know that uh, there were other reports that Kevin Durant said that he didn't truly felt like he was a part of the Go to State Warriors, you know, team or the organization or whatnot. Or he got mad the fact that that people said that. Steph Curry was beloved in the Bay more than Kevin Durant. Well, what'd you expect? Yeah. What'd you expect? Come on. Of course they was going to love Steph Curry more because to go to say that's there, that's their homegrown talent. That is like Steph Curry. That's, uh, that's ours. The Bay raised Steph Curry. Right. They exactly. raised Clay Thompson. They right. raised Draymond Green. Right. They love you. They love them. They love you so, more than Kevin Durant. And yeah. I hate to say it, but Kevin Durant that, that was very delusional on Kevin Durant's part. Right. Very. Like, what you what did you expect? Of course they're going to love them more than you. That's just what's going to be. That's what I'm going to be. And, that, and, 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 my, and like I said, and so when they keep on bringing up the fact that how Steve Kerr and Bob Myers are the, re, are the ones who mishandled the situation, nah, bro, I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that whatsoever because you guys didn't really address the issue. You guys addressed the aftermath and then want to say, oh, well, Steve Kerr and Bob Myers, they made it worse. The front office made it worse. No, no. You guys didn't want to address the actual issue, like right. what led to it. That's on YouTube. But, you know, but hey, you know, you guys are going to say what you're going to say it is what it is. But I just wish that you guys would address the issue, like what happened, what led to it, not the aftermath. Because you saw what Draymond was trying to do. Draymond Green was going to say, that, was I the reason why why you left? You see, Draymond was trying to do that. He was. Like, he was really trying to play that sort of manipulative game. Like, mm-hmm. Come on, Draymond. Like I said, expect Draymond Green to get traded. I'm not saying it's going to happen before the season. I'm not saying it's going to happen beginning, but I believe he's going to happen. Oh, it's going it's, <laughs> it, to oh, immediate. Yes. Uh. If, it's, if it's not going to be... Uh, this upcoming season, it'll, it'll definitely happen in the offseason. I, I guarantee you that. I guarantee you that. All right, so moving on, moving on. So let's go with the NFL right now since, like I said, NFL is coming up pretty soon. So let's get started. So on August 29th, I believe it's August 29th, correct? All right, cool. Yes. All right, cool. So August 29th, the NFL will reveal the top 10 players of the 2021 in order. Now, here are the, the the top ten finalists. You know, you know this, and this is by, this is chosen by the players. By the way, I just want to let that be very. This is chosen by the players. Why I don't know, but it is what it is. Top ten players in no order: Devonte Adams, Josh Allen, Tom Brady, Aaron Donald, Derrick Henry, DeAndre Hopkins, Travis Kelsey, Pat Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and T.J. Watt. Now. I know that we were supposed to talk about, you know, who we believe is, you know, is going to be the top 10 players in order, but I got to talk about this and I'm just going to say this right now. 
Spill it. What the hell are these players thinking? Not putting Lamar Jackson in the top ten. What? What? Yeah. How is Lamar Jackson not in the top yeah. ten? What? How you go from MVP? Last I'm gonna just tell year, you this right now. Year, you could just take out TJ White. Just take him out. No disrespect to him, but come on, bro. <laughs> like for I, real? <laughs> how is he not a top ten player? How? How is Lamar Jackson not top ten? What that that doesn't make any sense to me, Lamar Jackson. And then here's another thing too. Listen, look, all respect to Josh Allen, but look, I know you love Josh Allen, Loria, but is he really a top ten player? Um, looking at what he did last season, yes. Oh my god, are we about to say? Oh my god, who who who? who, What is this? He's a top ten player. Josh Allen's a top ten player. I mean, I so 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 hold on. So what is Russell Wilson then? I believe Russell Wilson. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. It's kind of difficult because when you look at this list, like I know for a fact you take T.J. Watt out. I know that for a fact. Uh, We could probably name a couple people. I mean, to be really real with you, we could take DeAndre Hopkins off of that list. But and we could. Well, no, I don't I don't think you should take Aaron. Well, no, we could probably take Aaron Rodgers off that list, too. What? <laughs> an MVP? How you take an MVP off the top ten? Yeah, you're right. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, I'm just saying, like this this top ten list, and I understand Tom Brady won that. He won the championship. You know, I get that. I understand that's what happened last season. But Josh Allen was definitely within <sighs> top five or so of quarterbacks last season. He he was. He had to be. What? But was he really a top ten player though? We talk about top yes. 10 players, top 10 football players. What are we ready about to say or say Josh Allen was a top 10 football player? I just don't like this list. I just don't like this list now whatsoever. I mean, what, what the, I, don't, I just don't understand what the players are thinking. And Lamar I mean, Jackson's let me just in the say this. 10. What team and what quarterback was in the AFC championship? Josh Allen. But does that really make, wait, hold on, hey. But does that really make him be- like one of the ten best players in the game? Like it really? I'm not saying that Josh Allen is better than Lamar Jackson, but I believe he is a top ten player. Come on, man! Come on, the numbers he did, what he did for that team. I mean, we we know that. We, that's my thing. If we could put Aaron Rodgers up there being an MVP and what he did. Why can we not put Josh Allen up is, there considering what he did? Is, is he, he helped right? the Bills make the postseason for the first time since. The past 20 years. Right, and they made it all the way to the AFC championship. All right, I got you. You're telling I got me you. right now that that's not worthy of being a top 10 player? Uh, I'm going to put you right there. Is he a better football player than Deshaun Watson? No, I would pick Deshaun Watson. Exactly. But, so why but, is he but, not in the top 10? So Deshaun Watson not in the top 10? I'm talking know. about this season. This season. you got to think about context. We're not saying Josh Allen's a top 10 player. Forever and ever. Because obviously, if things turn all the way left for Buffalo, then yes, he wouldn't be worthy of top 10. We're talking about this season, what he did. He did much more than Deshaun Watson. That's for sure. That's for sure. And I believe his numbers were better than Deshaun Watson's. Is is he a better player than Stephon Diggs? Look. You, you're literally comparing apples and oranges. Nah, there ain't no apples or oranges. Is he a better football player than Stefan Diggs? Because that man changed the franchise when he when he got there. 
I do agree. Stefan Diggs made a difference, but honestly, I really don't feel like you're giving Josh Allen the credit that he deserved for what he did. I'm not saying that's the thing. I'm not putting him up there like he's the best football player in the league. But God damn it, Jabari, he did what he did. And I feel like that's worthy of being the top. So you tell me right now that Stefan Diggs deserved to be top 10 over Josh Allen? Yes. This season? Yes. Looking at this list. You're not giving Josh Allen enough credit. You're not. And I'm not taking credit away from Stefan Diggs, but I believe Josh Allen deserved a lot of credit. He deserves some credit for that season. You are not going to sit up there and tell me that. Because guess what? Josh Allen, he looked really good when he threw the football. He looked really good when he ran the football. He contributed just as much as Stefan Diggs did for that team. Come on. So come on. You he deserves some credit. That's all I gotta say. But he I, deserves some credit. But we look, but we're going by this list. This these are the top 10 football players in the game. And I'm sorry, like top listen, if you want to go with top 15 or top 20, okay, fine. But top 10, I'm going, I'm going by the best football players. In the players, game. the players felt like he was the best football. Well, I don't. Player. Well, they, they, they well they thought that Lamar Jackson was a top ten player, or or D- Deshaun Watson, or Russell Wilson. So I would I agree. Need... It, I would agree. It's definitely borderline criminal that Lamar Jackson is in the top ten player. I mean, I told you who to take off. Take off T.J. White. Take off DeAndre Hopkins. This list is just. I just don't like this list not whatsoever. I, I'm I'm sorry. I just don't like this list. I, I'm sorry. Like like I know we were talking about something else. You know, I, I'm sorry. This this run right here, the fact that Lamar Jackson is not a top ten player according to the players is a crime. Oh my god, I I can't I can't do this. I, I really can't. All right, oh uh, yeah, we we've been moving on from this. So we go. Uh, I mean, I did you want to at least give out your top ten? No, guys, right here. Whether you like it or not. But let's okay. Here, here, this okay. <laughs> look, look, look. The, the only top. This this is the only thing I know. Pat Mahomes is the best player. Boom, period. He's number one. Yes. That's that's no all question. that matters. That's all no that matters. Question. Other than that, I don't really care because this top ten is trash. All right, I, I mean, I'm not gonna say trash, but this top ten needs to be better. They, they get a passing, they get a passing grade according to schoolwork, but still, this ain't good. Sorry. This all thing. I'm saying is, give Josh Allen some credit. He had a great season last season, and I feel like that's I'm not denying that to be a top ten player. Listen, I really a, do. Listen. I really do. Look, okay, you know what? How about this? If they get to the AFC champion, if they get to the AFC championship again, I'll be like, okay, cool. I'm gonna give him his flowers. I'm gonna give him props. I'm like, okay, yeah, that man's a top Granted. ten player. Granted, because that because definitely you got you got that money, you made it before, you definitely have the same expectations, if not even far more greater. Right now, Josh Allen's biggest challenge is you gotta be the head honcho of the AFC. You gotta be my homeboy. You know what I'm saying? You right. got to beat Lamar Jackson. Right. So I definitely agree with that. So, yeah, well. And I'm well, not mad that all I'm saying is just give him some credit. Yeah, he had a great season. I just want to see if he could do this again. All right. Well, we'll just see how it goes. But like I said, I'm not I'm not, I'm not worried about this top 10 because this top 10 needs some needs some uh, some tools to fix. But. Sure, it is what it is. So, change. yeah, sure, any depth. I need more than an oil change, shoot, because the oil is just leak, <laughs> it's leaking right now, you know. But anyway, but like I said, moving on, moving on. So, you know, there's been a lot of quarterback conversations, certain teams, you know, about, oh, who's going to start week one, you know, with the Saints or the Patriots, you know, because the Patriots are going through something right now with Cam Newton. But, you know, it is what it is. Hopefully that he's okay. He doesn't have COVID. 
you know. But the other, you know, conversations that that involves around the Bears and the 49ers. Now, it's already been confirmed as, you know, as of right now that Andy Dalton will be the starting quarterback in week one of the the Bears of the the NFL season. (laughs) I don't know why. Okay. All right. Well, well, as of right now, obviously, because, you know, the Bears promised Andy Dalton, you know, the same guy who said Justin Justin Fields is the future, but, but this is my time. It's my time. But anyway, also in San Francisco, 49ers have not made a decision. Kyle Sanahan, the coach, has not made a had not made a decision on who will be the starting quarterback for week one of the NFL season. Man, there's so many quarterbacks, so many teams that need to make a decision who's going to be their starting quarterback in week one. They're trying to make a decision between Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo. Which young quarterback do you believe will more likely start week one of the of the NFL season? Justin Fields of the Chicago Bears or Trey Lance of the San Francisco 49ers? I'm going to go with Trey Lance. I think that Kyle Shanahan is going to be very optimistic because we know how gifted Kyle Shanahan is when it comes to the quarterback and the overall offensive you know, system of the game. And I think especially looking at these preseason games, Trey Lance is looking nice. He is throwing the football. He looked like he know what he's doing. It looked like he's getting comfortable with the system. And you got to give credit to Kyle Shanahan. He is one of those guys where, you know, we've seen it with Jimmy Garoppolo. We've seen it with, you know, other quarterbacks. He definitely knows how to make a quarterback adjust, be comfortable, and maintain a system. And I think that he's willing to give Trey Lance the opportunity to say, Hey, I'm giving you the reels. This is what I got for you. This is what we have for this team. This is what, you know, we're going to be doing, you know, progressing, you know, through the through this division. I want to see what you can do. And so far, Trey Lance has proven that he can he he can do that. He can be that guy. And looking at him, he looks great. I mean, when I was seeing him, you know, thinking about where he was going to be in the draft, Trey Lance is definitely up there when it comes to the quarterbacks. And I think he has a he has a very specific upside as opposed to other quarterbacks. When you see Trey Lance, he is definitely a guy where he can do a lot. You know, he knows how to run the football. He knows how to throw the football. And he kind of uses it in a way where he really knows how to be flashy. And I think when you look at this San Francisco team, knowing the defense that they have, knowing the weapons that they have, and knowing the potential that they can be against Seattle against the Rams against the Cardinals I think Trey Lance is going to take that challenge and I would not be surprised if Kyle Shanahan made that big push to start him I I definitely feel like if he did start Trey Lance you know the 49ers would not regret it I think Trey Lance is going to have a great future and I definitely think that Trey Lance will probably be one of the first quarterbacks if not Justin Fields to get a little bit of a really good head start in the league. Yeah, to me, it's going to be Trey Lance. And the only reason why I believe it's going to be Trey Lance is because as far as a young quarterback, listen, Justin Fields, I think that, you know, a lot of people would like to see Justin Fields, you know, start week one. However, the Bears already made the commitment that they're going to start Andy Dalton. And the only way how I believe the, the, the Bears are going to 
is going to switch and turn to Justin Fields as if one, Andy Dalton gets hurt or two, you know, Andy Dalton is so terrible, which it's not surprising because he hasn't had a winning season since 2015. So it ain't, ain't that much of a shocker, but like, so those are two things I can see unless he gets hurt or he plays terrible throughout, you know, in the beginning of the season where you have no choice, but to go to Justin Fields. Cause they're not going after Nick Foles. It's like, they're not going Nick Foles. No time soon. So that's not happening. So that's the way I, I, I would see that right now. With Trey Lance, the problem, though, the issue that I see, well, well, I, I should say an issue. The reason why Trey Lance will more likely get it is because Jimmy Garoppolo, we don't know if he's going to stay healthy or not. And the thing about him with Jimmy G is not that he can't play because when he plays, they're 22 and eight. So they're a winning football team when he plays. When they lose, they're a losing team. So what tells me is that the only concern you would have of starting Jimmy G is that when he's going to get hurt, like, is he going to be healthy? Where Trey Lance, you're not really worried about him. He's a young quarterback. He has so much potential. He's your guy. Listen, he is your guy. And even though I heard something ringing right now, you know, through my phone or through my laptop, it is what it is. Anyway, but that doesn't matter. Trey Lance is the 49ers future. He's yes. He is their franchise player. And obviously, if you want to start right away, that's more likely to happen than with the, with the Bears, was they're going to lean towards Andy Dalton. Jimmy G? Now, now, is there a possibility, possibility that Jimmy G will start week one? Yeah, like I, I believe that is possibly going to happen. They're going to try to see if they can, you know, do what they did two seasons ago where, where he was the starter and they were winning football games where it led to them to go to the Super Bowl. So, yes. like I said, I can see that, but I won't be surprised if Trey Lance get it. Like I said, who is more likely to between Justin Fields and Trey Lance? I would say Trey Lance. So I think they'll be fine at the end of the day. So let's move on. Another quarterback that we got to talk about, and we talked about him a couple of weeks ago, and that is Dak Prescott. How about them Cowboys, huh? Boy, so there have been reports, once again, no surprise, that Dak Prescott, when he comes back, he will not be fully healthy, for the whole year for this throughout this whole entire season and it's not about can he reach back being 100 from his soda injury or his ankle injury but when he plays and more than likely there are reports that he will play in the season opener he will play week one which many people will say that is a bad idea but you know you got folks like jerry jones that would say oh no he's playing week one so when you hear these reports that he's more than likely not going to be fully healthy throughout the entire season. Should the Cowboys be worried? They should definitely worry. I mean, when you just think about the context of this season, it's going to be redemption season, quite frankly, for the entire organization. Um, Jerry Jones, Mike McCarthy, you know, being the new coach, still a new coach, that Prescott coming from, that ugly injury and trying to, you know, make it back there so you can, you know, have your spot and be there for the team. Ezekiel Elliott, he's trying to come back. Um, you know, C.D. Lamb, trying to have a better season. This is a redemption season for everybody. And, and defense too. 
and the defense too. And if and, and if everyone's been watching the new season of Hard Knocks on HBO Max that features the Cowboys, that is clearly, clearly evident. And watching the first two episodes so far, you see Dak where he is trying to push through that injury, but you know, it could be a mental or a physical thing. It's looking kind of difficult right now. And right now, the Cowboys don't really have no quarterback security. The other quarterback that's on hard knocks, I believe Dan Vucci, you know, he 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 did really good in the preseason game against the Cardinals. But last time I checked, I think he's still trying to fight for a spot. So if you don't have that Prescott long term, you're going to be in the same position that you were last season. And I really don't think the Cowboys want that because we all know that the Cowboys, they are the best team in this division when you think about talent-wise. But unfortunately, if they fall into the same trap again of not having Des Prescott available and just not being the team that they can be, then they're going to be in the same pit, you know, at the end of the season and we're going to see, you know, the Eagles are starting to come up with Jalen Hurts. Um, Washington football team, the Giants still have a chance. And it's very unfortunate because the Cowboys, they are the best team in this division. The Cowboys, that's not they saying should much. Easily, that's not saying much. I mean, it's not saying much. And that's the thing. We know the NFC East and the NFC East, but it's still a division. And whoever's the best team is the best team. And looking at this talent, there should be no reason why the Cowboys keep falling in the same spiral, you know, pit stop. But I just hope that that Prescott becomes healthy. I'm really rooting for him this season. I hope that he can push through. He can be that guy. He can help them reach new heights. You know, the Cowboys making the playoffs, is it going to be that much? No, most likely not. Because looking at that talent and just looking at the already, you know, inflated expectations, of the Dallas Cowboys being America's team, you know, you got to do much more than that. And not knowing if that Prescott can be the quarterback long-term, it is concerning because I'm going to tell you right now, if that Prescott doesn't do a lot this season, I think the Cowboys are going to start thinking about that contract. And they're going to be, I don't think they're going to be completely, you know, on the fence of this is the worst mistake we ever made, but it's going to be like a, eh, type of thing, like, eh, I don't know if we should have did this. Because given, you know, him that kind of money, which I believe he did deserve it, but the fact that you're not going to be healthy again, and this is probably, I, I feel like this season the Cowboys got to get something done. I mean, I do believe that they have a lot of time, just considering you're already in the spotlight as America's team, the hard knocks thing, all these guys trying to redeem themselves. This is definitely a make or break season for the Cowboys, I believe. Look, you know, let's let me say this right now. If the if the Cowboys want to do, you know, want to improve their quarterback situation, you know what they do? They need to go ahead and call up Tim Tebow, who got cut from the Jaguars, and make sure <laughs> they can, you know, help him out because they know for a fact that they saw what happened in 2011. <laughs> NFL season when he was throwing up those miracles and making sure that they get to the playoffs and win a playoff game. So yeah, they could call, call up Tim Tebow real quick. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The Cowboys should be worried because it's the Cowboys. The reason why the Cowboys have not been successful since the nineties, it's not because of talent. They've always had talent. If you really look at it since 2010, 
we can honestly say that if they didn't have the best talent in football, they probably had one of the best, like top five yes. in NFL. Like Dallas Cowboys have had one of the five best talents in, in football. And that's because of Jared Jones, who's willing to spend money, no matter what. He's willing to spend money. That's number one. Number two, the reason why they have been unsuccessful as of late, either they can't stay healthy, and if they choke in crunch time, the team chemistry is not there, whether it's yes. offense or defense, or four, it's the coaching. Or whether tell you, tell you, tell you, tell you. not just not just coaching, but number five, Jerry Jones' ego gets in the way. That's the reason why the Dallas Cowboys have not been successful as of late. Okay. And the fact that once again, now look, Dak Prescott, he is not going to be fully healthy throughout the season. Now, like I say, it all depends on if he plays week one, which I think will be a mistake because he needs to fully recover. The Dallas Cowboys will be making a big mistake and then they're going to be in a situation where, like you say, it is a make or break season. The Dallas Cowboys, with all the talent they have, listen, they have the pieces. You have Ezekiel Elliott. You know, you got CeeLo Lamb. Wait, did I say CeeLo Lamb? I mean, you have you have like <laughs> CeeLo Lamb. You got like, CD. Yeah, CD. Well, I don't know why I say CeeLo Lamb. Wait, hold, wait, take that back. CD Lamb, okay? Amari Cooper. You got Michael Gale up. There is, and, and you, listen, and regardless of what happened with the defense, that defense should be better this season than last season, okay? And you have a championship coach. There is no reason why you should not make it to the playoffs. No reason. No reason. But for some reason, it's the Cowboys and the way how they are. They just all of a sudden mess up every single time. So the Cowboys, they got to do whatever it takes. They got to find whoever can help them out. Now, if I'm the Cowboys, I'm not going to lie to you. I would try to call up Nick Foles and say, hey, hey, man. Hey, man, look. Hey, Nick Foles. Can can you help us out, man? You know, just in case of Dak Prescott is not playing. Because then with Nick Foles, he can be a backup quarterback. Now, it depends when he comes because you don't want him to start the season. But, you know, you might listen. He is a half season quarterback, half season playoff quarterback. That's what you need. No expectations. He plays his role. And besides, he'll have a good O-line with a good running back, decent, you know, offensive weapons. Like I said, there will be no expectations. It's like this. If he messes up, he messes up. And, and, and everybody will care that. But if he does well, he does well. Now, he might be a hero, you know, to the Dallas Cowboys because you know how them Cowboys fans are, you know, like yeah. he is in Philly. But that was Philadelphia, and there was no expectation for him to lead, to help the Eagles to the Super Bowl. That's not going to happen for the Cowboys, okay, now whatsoever. But I would say you sh- they should go after Nick Foles. The Dallas Cowboys, yeah, Foles is probably be a good option. Health is going to be a big deal. It's very key. You know in football, you got to take care of your body. Yes. And for and for Dak Prescott to get paid, he got paid for sure. But if he cannot play this season where he where his injuries are an issue, whether it's physically or mentally, that will hurt your chances on getting to the playoffs. And I'll be honest with you right now, if forget about if they win a playoff game. Because yeah. I don't because I, I don't think it really matters at this point. If they do not get to the playoffs, like I told you, the front office, there need to be some changes. But I think that they should consider trading away at Prescott. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. You can't stay healthy. What, what, what are you going to do? What, what, what's the point of keeping him? What is the point? You move on. 
when Dak Prescott first came as a rookie, Tony Romo was there as the, like, like I said, fan favorite, the Dallas Cowboys love him. That man was not that great of a quarterback. When that man got hurt, Prescott took his spot, and they were balling. They were winning. And Tony Romo never got that position. He never got that starting spot ever again. It was over. You move on. With Prescott, I'm sorry, man. You got to move on. You got to get yourself a better quarterback. If you can't stay healthy, what's the the point? I'm just going to say this. I feel like, and I understand that, if he does not play in all the season, that's just going to be unfortunate. But, I mean, Jabari, you saw that injury. That was really freak. Yeah, that ankle. Yeah, that was really freak. leg. Yeah, that ankle and leg I mean, injury. And my thing is, is Lord knows, like, we know that he, if he did not have that injury like that, the Cowboys would be in a completely better situation. Yep. A better situation. But I, but I would say that I think after this season, if nothing else happens better for the Cowboys, then I think that they should consider it because the Cowboys at this point, I mean, you can't really rely on anybody like that. You need a guy who's going to be front and center, front yeah. and center. You do. You got. Listen. And I'm saying, I, and for the most part, Dak has been that guy front and center, but right now it's looking a little bit murky. Availability is the best availability. And Prescott is not there right now because one, he can't stay healthy. And we're gonna have to see how this season goes. Like I said, because this is this is definitely gonna be a make or break season. But with Jerry Jones, we don't we don't know if it's gonna be a make or break season for him because like, like I said, because that man got, got other plans that he he wants to hold. So so back to the NBA. Back to the NBA. There was there was a survey with 10 NBA scouts and executives. They had, you know, it was very interesting, you know, list by the way, you know, they had a survey, you know, they voted. One of them was about the best player in the world. You know, who they, who they thought was the best? It was a tie between Giannis and Kevin Durant. Then they go with the best and worst offseason. They said Kyle Lauren to the Miami Heat was the best offseason move. For the worst offseason move, they said it was, it was a tie between DeMar DeRozan to the, to the Bulls and the Pelicans offseason moves, which I was thinking to myself, that's kind of weird. And then they mm. said... And then it said the most surprising offseason move was Dennis Schroeder going to the Boston Celtics, which to me, I think that Eric Bledsoe getting traded to the Clippers was more surprising because I didn't see that coming out one day. I was like, wait, right. oh, like what? What's going on? Obviously, this is a surprise right here on who people believe is going to come out the East and the West. And most of them said it's going to be the, the Nets and the Lakers. I think, I think that a casual fan probably will say the Lakers and the Nets are going to the finals next season. I, I think a lot of people are believing that it's going to be the Nets versus the Lakers in the NBA Finals. And James Harden, you know, a couple of days ago, said that when fully healthy, nobody can stop us. Are the Brooklyn Nets the favorites to win the championship next season? I believe so. Now, when it comes to James Harden's comments, are they unstoppable? Um. I don't really know if you could say that considering what happened last season. Because last time I checked, when they had that game against Cleveland and Colin Sexton just went freaking nuts. And it it was a regular season game. But, I mean, you lost, I think, 147 to 145. That went to like two two or three overtimes. 
Exactly. <laughs> like y'all are not unstoppable. Y'all are not. And sadly, even though I do believe when healthy, they could be a championship caliber team, that defense is forever going to be a question. And I mean, they can they can outplay the defense with their offense. We can agree to that to a certain extent in terms of being unstoppable, but I don't think you're an unstoppable team if you know you get to that point over and over and over and over where you know you're scoring 150 points and they're scoring 150 points. I think if you guys were unstoppable, y'all would stop teams from scoring. That's an, that I believe is them being unstoppable. So there's not going to be no surprise that they will be the best offensive team again next season, especially if everybody's healthy. But that defense is still a question. And, I mean, you know, looking at what Milwaukee did, you know, Milwaukee, I believe, is still going to be a front runner to come out of the East, most definitely. And I think the fact that here's the thing, too, that I think the Nets still need to address. I don't think that the Nets have completely figured out what it takes to be that team. The Bucs, on the other hand, they figured that out. When they added Drew Holiday, they figured out that the recipe was to let Giannis defer a little bit, really play his role to the maximum, but don't give out too much steam. Let Drew Holiday contribute defensively, and we know that he didn't do the best that he could offensively. But defensively, for a fact, he definitely was a big factor when it came to the Brooklyn series, I believe, and the last series, and of course, the finals. And But Chris Middleton, Chris Middleton essentially having the title as a closer, you know, really sealing the deal for most people that when you need him to shoot, he can shoot. When you need him to score, he can score. When you need him to take over, he can take over. And I feel like he's proven that. With the Nets, I don't really feel like they really found the recipe. Sure, you got like three of the best shooters in the entire world, but I don't really think that that's really going to be the recipe for them being a championship team. You need a lot more than that. You probably need some better leadership. You, you know, you need defense, of course, but there's a multitude of things I think the Nets need to still work on to be that championship team. But I still feel like with who they have, what they can do, I still feel like they can still find a way to come out on top. And I think that the biggest factor is health, you know, and of course defense, but I really think it's health. Cause I do feel like if, if Kyrie Irving did not go down, I feel like the Nets would have beat the, the, the Bucks. Now it would have been like a blowout. Absolutely not. It probably would have been six or seven games, but I feel like if Kyrie was playing, it would have made a much of a bigger difference. And I feel like they would have came out on top and it would have been them going to the conference finals as opposed to the Bucks. Well, speaking about what, um, what James Harden was saying now, now last season, now, like, like I said, I'm the one that called it since day one. I believe that last season that the Milwaukee Bucks right before the playoffs began, that they were going to come out the Eastern conference. I believe that that Bucks team was going to beat the Brooklyn Nets when healthy and get to the NBA finals. Now, Brooklyn was not healthy, obviously, because Kyrie went down and obviously James Harden was, I don't know, you want to say 40, 50 percent of himself. I don't know. But still, they went against the Brooklyn Nets. Still, Brooklyn had two MVPs on the court compared to Milwaukee, who had one and Milwaukee still won. With that being said, 
I do believe that the Brooklyn Nets are the favorites to win the championship. Now, that doesn't mean that they're going to win the title. That, that, that You know me. I don't care about who they can say the favorites. It's about do you believe they're going to win the title. That's all that matters to me. But I do believe they are the favorites. Why? Because obviously because the, the trio with obviously Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. You know, you, that, that, that's, the best, that's the best big three in the game, and I don't think it's even close. That's the one. Number two, here's what I would say that they do need to address. Offensively, they're straight. I like the move on, on getting Patty Mills. I thought that was a great move for them to get, get him. That's a guy who is playoff proven, uh, a clutch score. You know, I mean, I'm not expecting him to go, you know, 100% on defense, but he, he is a solid defender. I like the move to get James Johnson. I think that's also good. I mean, he's a, he's basically a replacement for um what's what's his name? Jeff Green. Yeah, he's a replacement for Jeff Green. Uh, I think Cam Thomas, you know, got drafted by the Brooklyn Nets. I'm not expecting him to do something because he's a rookie, by the way. I mean, it all depends what does happen. Here's what I would say. They have to address their rim protector and another or two wing defenders. Yes. That is what I'm looking at when it comes to this Brooklyn team. And the reason why I'm looking at this because is because the only reason why I believe they will not win the championship next season is because of, I mean, obviously health, but also mainly defense. Because be, now, now to be very clear, do I believe there is anybody in the East that will beat the Brooklyn Nets? Like at their best, I would say I would give Milwaukee a slight chance. The reason why I say slight chance because the absence of PJ Tucker yeah. is going to show when they go against Brooklyn in the in the playoffs again. If they go against Brooklyn, against right? I mean, you could put right. Middleton on them, but but I mean, PJ Tucker, he he did a tremendous right. job. You, you not having PJ Tucker in Milwaukee anymore, that's going to hurt that's not gonna that's gonna hurt the bucks for next season when they go against the nets if they go against the nets in the playoffs doesn't want number two i i only see maybe a few teams in the east that can match them up that match the nets up offensively but maybe not but maybe not enough to really conquer the nets to beat them so then let's say they go to the finals right which i believe that they can go to the finals Outside the Clippers, when healthy, because obviously it all depends on you know if Kawhi is healthy. I don't see anybody in the West that can lock down the Nets' offense. Nobody. I I know people are going to bring up the Lakers and they're going to say, well, you know the Lakers, you know they're this and that. I'm sorry, the Brooklyn Nets have better three level scores than the Lakers do. Exactly, and I don't even think that the Lakers moves. And and the, and see that's the thing about Lakers fans in general. It's like every year it's like, oh my god, like we got this, 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 and this. Like we're definitely gonna do it. Like you didn't really make that much of a difference, bro. <laughs> you did. I'm telling you right now, when you had a healthy Anthony Davis and LeBron was a little bit better, but when you had JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard, man, they was they were shutting people down. Yeah, they essentially learned how to shut down Miami. And right. once they learned how to shut down Miami, they ran with it and they took off. And I believe that was the main reason why they won the championship. Well, here's the thing I would just want to say. My thing is that with Brooklyn, 
Look, I'm just looking at if it's Brooklyn versus the Lakers in the finals. I'm looking at the fact that one, they're going to be better off. Like take, take the big three out, take, take Brooklyn's big three and a Lakers big three out. Who, who's a better, who has a better supporting cast Lakers or the Nets? Probably Lakers. Probably the Lakers. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, I, mean, I, I that's think the, so because Carmelo. Who's, who's their fourth best player? For the Lakers? Yes. Carmelo. Who's the, who's the fourth best player for the Brooklyn Nets? <laughs> uh, I mean, I can't really pinpoint it. To I would say Blake Griffin, and I'm I'm not, yeah. I, I, and I and I appreciate uh, and I appreciate you know Carmelo Anthony, you know, playing his role, you know, obviously being the lead and everything. But I do believe that health wise, when healthy, Blake Griffin is is better than Carmelo Anthony. Now, obviously, you can go ahead and you can work things out as far as as a team and see how things go. But I'm just looking at. The fact that Brooklyn has three three level scores, that's number one. Number two, okay, even if you don't look at them, they still have better shooters. They still have better offensive players than the Lakers do. We still have to we still have to wait and see if those Laker if those players in LA are going to showcase that they can get that they can shoot forty percent from the three point line like they like they did anywhere else. As they're going to do it in LA, you know, Malik Monk, Wayne Ellington, Carmela Anthony, you know, um, Trevor I think, Reza. yeah, yeah, right, Trevor Reza, Kendrick Nunn, all, all those other shooters that, that they keep on mentioning how great they were when they were not in LA. Okay, what are they going to do when they're in LA when they're playing with yeah. LeBron James, AD, and Russell That's Westbrook? That's the big question. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant has proved to you in the playoffs. They're yes. proven in the playoffs. LeBron James proving the playoffs. Anthony Davis, you could say kind of proven, but because he did win the bubble, you want to see he can do it without the bubble. The only two problems are going to be James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Now, let's yeah. be real. Their two uh, playoff success hasn't been the greatest. However, James Harden is a guaranteed guy to at least win a playoff series and at least lead you to the conference finals. Russell right. Westbrook, not so much, especially when he's not pl- when he's not playing with the MVP. He's not winning the playoff series. Now, obviously, he's going to play with the MVP and LeBron James, but we have to see if that could turn to them being this better team than Brooklyn. And I'm just going to be real with you right now. Between James Harden and Russell Westbrook, I'm you, if I'm the defense, oh. who 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 do I fear more? Russell Westbrook or James Harden? Russell. Really? Wait, what do you mean fear? Like, do you mean that, let's say I was going against these guys, who would I fear more defensively? I would who, fear Westbrook more defensively. Who, okay. I was going against him. So who, who, do you th- who do you think will show up more in the playoffs? Because they both got some bad moments. I will say James Harden gives me a slight i think james harden has a slight edge over like, this yes yeah, he does and, and i can name a lot of bad moments that that james harden had and he I has th- had some bad moments but yeah. i think for the most part especially when you looked at what he has contributed to that city of houston when he used to play for the rockets i will give him a slight edge over mm-hmm. westbrook yeah. yeah and my thing about russell westbrook is that is that he's not really a great player deferring and i have concerns about the fit in LA 
With Brooklyn, the fit is not an issue. The fit is not going to be an issue. They're going to be fine. They're going to play together for a full, for a full season and see how it goes. I'm interested in seeing how Russell, Russell Westbrook is going to play in his first year with the Lakers. So that's so for me, I'm not even a James Harden guy, but I have to say I will see James Harden, James Harden more of a reliable player in the playoffs than Russell Westbrook. Let me just say this too. It's very interesting that there's a tie for the worst offseason moves when it comes to the Rose and the Pelicans. The Pelicans, I totally agree. The fact that you didn't get nothing in return and you gave away Lonzo, that doesn't make any sense. Well, they did get something. They, 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 get, they did get something. They got, they got a few role players. Okay. It was a signing trade, remember? They just, but, it, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but definitely I would say to lose Lonzo and, you know, get the role players, I still don't know if they got anything in return. And just considering, you know, what the team looks like now with Zion and, you know, Brandon Ingram, I just felt like they could have done a little bit more. So that's you the, why. I you got Devontae Graham. You got Devontae Graham. You got Jonas Valanciunas. So, I mean, like, I, I think that, I think every I think everybody's trashing the offseason way too much. I mean, yeah. you want to say the worst offseason move, I would say the Pelicans. I would say, not the Pelicans, but I would say the Trailblazers offseason yes. moves was the worst. Yeah, like, I'm surprised nobody mentioned the Trailblazers. Like, <laughs> they didn't do anything. They were, well, they, well, they, were, well they, they were mentioned. They just didn't, they just weren't number one. They, yeah. they, they had one vote. But, but uh, I mean, when I think about the Trailblazers and you've already got a new coach, you're still thinking about Dane, they could have definitely reworked what they had, you know, because I think the only thing they really did was just give away Carmelo Anthony. They better, well, they better call out Paul Millsap or Lamarcus Aldridge to come back, come back from retirement. So hey, yeah, I mean, all I know is Paul Millsap and if Brooklyn's eyeing them. But when it comes to the Rose in Chicago, I don't think I don't think it's going to be a bad move. I don't. I think I think the Rose in going to Chicago yeah. is going to be good. Yeah, I think that. He's going to be surrounded by a group of guys that he can play with. And I think for the most part, he's going to be that veteran guy for that team. Right. I think that's going to be served him great as well. I don't really see the Chicago, you know, the Rosen deal being bad. I really yeah. don't. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of confused. I'm, I'm confused because when you said that, I'm like, really? Like that was the worst offseason move? Well, it was tied with the Pelicans offseason move. But yeah, it's whatever. All right, folks, that's it for the Bounce Podcast, episode 36. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Simplecast, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and even YouTube, folks. I want you to like, comment, subscribe. I want you to download this, share this to your fans, family members, your relatives, your uncles, your cousins, your associates, your haters, your doubters. No matter what, we are here every week and we are going nowhere. And we still got baseball season. What the heck is going on with the San Diego Padres, Padres or the New York Mets? I mean, Lord have mercy. What the heck is going on? We will be here for football season as well. It's going to be a fun ride. We've been going here since the first, since we've been here, what, since Christmas week, really? Yeah, so it's been yes. last you year, last be. year, Christmas week. So it's going. it's been a blast so far, episode 36. So before, I, before we go, L'Oreal, you have anything else to say? I am excited for football season. I can't wait for it to come back. 
you know, me and Jabari, we're going to be covering high school football games this yep. weekend. I mean, it's just crazy to think about it. This weekend, we're going to be going to work. So, you know, I know you guys can listen to the podcast, but for all our other stuff, too, you know, starting to feel with football and then basketball, make sure you follow us, guys, on Instagram at productions.one. Again, that's productions.one. We're going to have a lot of good stuff for you guys, and I'm just really excited to add some more stuff on top of this podcast. Well, you said everything I need to, that I need to tell. <laughs> Listen, we we ready for and we listen. We ready for some, you know, for some other interns to participate. So you know, yes. but but that's more information that we could talk about later on. But it is what it is. Thank you for listening to the Bounce Podcast, episode thirty six. My name is Jabari Anderson with my co-host L'Oreal. Peace.